Welcome to the Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Hey everybody, welcome to Reporter, the podcast that delves into the minds and lives of broadcast news reporters and anchors, delivering a behind-the-scenes look at their careers, methods, best practices, and some personal stories from the trenches of journalism. Today we have a personal friend of mine, Jay Plyburn, with us, who I started with in my first TV market. Jay, thanks for joining. My pleasure, Bo. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you here. Um, We have not seen each other in person in... uh, many, many years, probably since 2011, I, I suppose. But uh, we certainly know about 200 people in common or more, I think, through this industry, which is <laughs> such a small world, right? Quite a few overlapping friends at this point. Yeah, Has it been that long? Has it been since 2011? I guess so. It kind of doesn't feel like it, I guess, because of social media. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think we've seen each other since, um, you know, since you left the market or since I left the market. So I know I left in 2011, so yeah, it's been a yeah, long time. Yeah, it was December. I think it was December 2011 for me as well. Okay, yeah. So it's it's been it's been a really really long time. Um, so you've you've had quite the journey. I mean, I remember talking to you back at that time, and you and I were both you know pretty young then, and we're trying to get out of Midland, Odessa, and and you know Market 151, I think it was at the time, and trying to move up in the career and decide what we wanted out of life and um, you know, I know I didn't get out of there as, as quickly as I wanted to. I, I loved it there in many ways and, and made it a home. But, you know, I, I, by, by, the, by my third year, I was kind of trying to move on and it, it kind of stalled a little bit. And then finally, I, I made it to Connecticut. And I remember talking with you and you were like, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think I even remember you saying you were thinking of um, getting out of the business and, and working on a cruise ship or something. I know you love acting. So <laughs> catch me up. I mean, look. In brief, what was your journey? So you left Midland, Odessa, and where'd you go? I did. I, I actually think it was December 2010 um, when I left Midland, Odessa, because I started at the, the ABC affiliate in Northwest Arkansas the next month. It was actually like two weeks later, the first week of uh, 2011, I think. Gosh, it's been a while now. Um, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I went from Midland, Odessa, where I had become the weekend anchor um, started off as the weekend weather guy, which was really interesting. <coughs> Excuse me. I drink a little water here. Stay, uh, stay lubricated. Um, so I don't cough too much, but so went from Midland Odessa to Northwest Arkansas to be the weekend anchor for the ABC affiliate there. And, um, and that turned into the morning anchor position for the CBS affiliate in the same market through a unique, uh, variety of circumstances that played out, and uh, so I ended up. And I can go into all of it if you want me to. But um, basically, went from weekend anchor to to main morning anchor for the in town rival, um, and then did that for three years on the morning show. And uh, after three pushing three and a half years, um, chose not to renew my contract because of a thousand other things going on. And you know, there was all this talk of fake news at the time and it was just becoming a very frustrating business in a lot of regards journalists couldn't be trusted yada 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 so i took an opportunity to be uh, an associate producer on a feature film that was being shot in oklahoma that i got involved with and just kind of rolled the dice with that and thought okay i can jump back into journalism at some point if i want to but at that point in my life i was just burnt out with all of it and so i um so i took the opportunity to be on on this film set and i learned a lot it was a western that we shot 
um, and the movie came out the next year or whatever. Um, and uh, it's, it's a good movie. The, the Painted Woman uh, is the name of the film and um, got to be there for the premiere of it, the Bentonville Film Festival in, in Arkansas and, uh, and just was really proud of the work we did on that. So from there, I kind of thought, all right, maybe there is something more for me in the entertainment industry. So I kept seeing everything that was happening in Atlanta, Georgia and moved here a little over two years ago because of what's happening in the production industry. And, and uh, Georgia has all these film credits in place, uh, tax incentives, if you will, that, that help filmmakers. And so there's all sorts of major productions that happen here now. And that's exactly what brought me to Georgia a couple of years ago uh, was the TV and film industry because all these big projects shoot here now. Marvel movies shoot here. Uh, the Walking Dead shoots here. A lot of shows on Netflix and uh, and, and network television shoots out here. Um, so that's what brought me here a couple of years ago. And then I was subsequently wrapped back up into journalism. The NBC affiliate out here made me an offer that I that I couldn't refuse. So I, I find myself once again working for the man, the journalism man. And um, but I, I, I enjoy it for what it's worth that I, I'm reporting on a daily basis for the NBC out here. And um, so I, I guess I didn't totally lose my way in the world of anchoring and reporting. I would love to be anchoring again, but that opportunity has not come my way just yet out here. I'm happy to at least have my foot in the door with, with a big market. Yeah, absolutely. Can you, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. A- awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's quite a journey and, um, I mean, you've now been, I mean, how, what, what was your first year? What year did you graduate college? Let's see. Graduating college in 2007. Okay. So, okay. and then jumped out. I think I started in, in Odessa, Midland Odessa shortly after you did, if I remember correctly, because that started in February 08. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit before me, um, a few months before, okay. right before. Um, yeah. And those were, those were some wild times down there. I mean, that was a, a fun place. You know, it was, it, it was a wild time. I, I didn't know what to expect. I remember, I think back now on the, the conversations where I was offered the job in Midland as the, the, the one man band as I believe what they called it at the time, the one man band news reporter and a weekend weatherman. And I remember telling them, I, I have no, training in meteorology or anything like that and they said ah it doesn't matter it's west texas you know the the weather doesn't change a whole lot we're just you know just gonna look at the national weather service graphics and tweak those a little bit as you feel fit and so you know being in front of the green screen out there was was a unique challenge but also very very fun and something you know kind of a something to embrace something different than what a lot of reporters get to do because it is different in front of the green screen if, if anybody's ever had a chance to to do weather or play with those graphics. So that was something fun, but I, I learned to love Midland, Texas for what it's worth. It's the desert out there, but you know, we had our, our group of friends that ran around with each other, uh, the ABC, NBC, CBS, and who was the, was it Univision was out there. Um, and, uh, and we all got along very well and, you know, just, I learned to love it. I think it's beautiful in a weird way out there and the, the desert, um the look of it all but uh now that i'm not there i um i can appreciate other places you know that much more but i've told my wife recently i was like i really i want to take you out there so you can see this unique area and meet some of the people because i still talk to some of the people who live out there i would love to to go back out there i don't i don't think i would work for the news out there again because they just poor people don't the, the 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 poor companies out there it's such a small market i guess that they just don't have the funds to do what 
you and I now realize in some regards needs to be done in order to have an effective broadcast or to have good live coverage or to really compete. Um, you know, it's having worked for some of the bigger stations, now bigger markets, it's, it's incredible what the, where the technology has come. And I shouldn't say it. I don't know what they've got out there. They maybe have the top of the line gear out there and paying all the anchors and reporters very well. Um, but uh, I don't think I'd work out there again. What about you, Bo? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think your career kind of has a progression to it. And, and um, you know, it's nice to be back closer to home, um, probably for both of us. Yeah, sure. um, and yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, it's funny because I always think to myself, you know, if I ever fall on hard times, I could probably go back to that market and get a job, you know, like almost no matter sure. what, you know, which is kind of a funny feeling and a good feeling in a way. And, but no, I, I really couldn't have said it any better. I, I completely echo everything you said. Uh, made some great friends there. It has like a weird beauty to it. it you know, there's tumbleweeds, but I really learned to love it. And, and some people couldn't stomach it and, and couldn't hang, you know, really good people. I mean, I'm thinking of even my, my good friend, uh, and I think your friend, uh, uh, Mayrone Bergson and his wife, Jackie. And, and, yeah. you, know, um, you know, they were there for about a year and I mean, great people, but they were from Miami, Florida, and it, it just kind of wasn't for them. Right. It's not for everybody. That's for sure. It's, uh, the business itself is, is tough. And, and I, many times, I wonder how I survived. Oh, this is what I was going to say a minute ago. I remember that, that conversation where they offered me the job. They offered me a whopping $17,400 a year. And I thought at the time, I mean, not, you know, coming out of college, I thought, wow, that's, that's a lot of money. That's more than I've ever made in my life. Of course, I'm just coming out of college at that point. So I had nothing to compare it to. Um, and so I made seventeen four a year for three years out there. And, and I think back on that and I'm just like, how did I, how did I survive? And I know they told us in our, in the journalism classes, they said, you're not going to make a whole lot of money when you first start out. But now, you know, com compared to what I made in my first jump after that and what I made in the next jump after that, it's just like, wow, thank goodness I had a, a credit card with a high credit limit. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been able to survive. Otherwise I think, thank goodness my parents helped me out. And, um, you know, I learned to, to eat, eat cheap. Um, but we still partied like rock stars out there is a crazy thing. I mean, I still went to the movies. I still took girls out to eat. It's like, what was I thinking? I didn't have money. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I was the same thing, you know, God bless parental help a little bit. And then also, right. um, the credit card, you know, and so I came out of there with some credit card debt for sure. And, make uh, you know, definitely in debt to my, not my, my parents in some sense as well. So yeah, I mean, and that's kind of, you know, we've talked about this on some other episodes of this podcast already, how, you know, it's kind of a shame in a way, because what you end up with in some sense is a not incredibly, I mean, by no means was my, you know, did I come from a rich or wealthy background, but, um, and to my understanding, you didn't either, but you still end mm -hmm. up with people who are able to make that move across the country and afford it, you know, versus people who might come from a, even worse economic situation who really can't afford to do that. And sometimes that plays out as a, you know, racial disparity. I mean, definitely a socioeconomic disparity, but um, so then you sure. kind of end up with reporters who are all, you know, from a similar background. So anyway, that, that manifests itself in different ways, but yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, those salaries are so low and, and they're probably the same now just adjusted for inflation, you know, still really, really low. So it's right. I mean, I remember one of the girls, the, one of the young women, Kristen, um, 
I forget her last name at the moment, nor do I really want to say it, but she, she worked at a restaurant, you know, she was a waitress and that was a pretty common story among the mm-hmm. TV reporters and anchor. She was an anchor. She was a weekend anchor in that market and, and worked at, I think at Chili's or a Texas roadhouse, you know, people would recognize her. And I thought that was crazy at the time, but I've subsequently heard that story from a number of people and many in this industry, you know, when they started out. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And unless they just happen to have, you know, very wealthy parents or, or, or have saved money before this, this, um, portion of their career, then a lot of people had to have a second job in order to make ends meet. I've, I know a lot of people, well, I still know people in the industry who, who work a couple of different jobs, even something as simple as driving Uber on the weekends, um, just to have that little, little bit of extra money goes a long way. Um, but yeah, certainly back in the day for those of us starting out now, I, if I remember correctly, my contract didn't allow me to have a second job. I probably could have done something and just tried to keep it quiet, but I, I try to play by the rules. So, uh, I, um, I never did get that second job. I just, you know, ran the credit card bill up. Yeah. My, As my contract also, did. I believe forbade, forbade, forbid, forbade, 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 um, a, uh, a second job as well. So again, same, same story. I remember and in Midland, Odessa was a weird place too, economically, because, you know, the oil industry. And so mm-hmm. you think that housing would be cheap at that time, but 2008, you know, because the market crashed. Um, right. But then housing was expensive because there was an oil boom happening there. In fact, the summer I moved there, oil went up to like $148 a barrel, which I think was an all time high. And so it was crazy. Everyone was moving there for wow. oil jobs. So housing was expensive. And um, it was a, it was a crazy time then. Uh, I mean, and then they needed workers cause they couldn't get anybody to work in the restaurants. So pizza hut was paying $20 an hour, which was more than I was, you know I mean? So it was just, wow. you know, I was like, I should just be a part-time delivery driver at pizza hut. I remember asking, uh, my news director about that. He was like, no, no, you're not allowed. We can't have you doing that. But I was like, what the heck, man? I mean, I'll, I'll do it on the weekends and you know, um, definitely tempting, but, um, well, probably some yeah. good perks there, too. You could bring your dinner home each night. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I would just gain 100 pounds, which I actually did gain about 30 pounds when I lived in Texas. Seriously, like 20 to 30 pounds um, from eating, like, Rosa's Cafe. Do you remember that place? Like, the taco? Oh, truck? my gosh. I have, I have great memories of Rosa's and the, the fresh tortillas. I hope they send me some free food for this, this shout-out. But that was, like, the, that place was so good. <laughs> I mean, the Tex-Mex in West Texas. Oh, excuse my dogs going crazy here. Uh, the Tex-Mex in West Texas was so good, dude, the, the fast food places were great. Like, that's how good it was. So, I mean, not, not even yep. to mention the sit-down places, but I thought even the fast food was good. You know, they, it was like pretty homemade type stuff. In, uh, I love Mix and Roses. I ate it far too often. Same here. They had a Taco Tuesday deal. It was like $3.33, I think, for three tacos. It was unbelievable. But anyway, I ate it way mm. too much. Um so, um, let's now, say, do you wait, remember my apartment out there? Your apartment? Mm-hmm. I vaguely do. Yeah. I think I was there once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we had some parties over there and I, I, I tell this story a lot. I don't, I don't know if you want me to tell it now, but I lived in a legitimately haunted apartment in Midland. It's one of my fondest memories from being out there. And I, I, I just think it's the wildest thing. Um, do you mind if I if I go into the my my ghost story, my personal? <laughs> yeah, just I mean, how can I resist? Day? I, I actually I vaguely remember this now that you say it, but but I really don't know the details whatsoever. So yeah, dive dive right in. Let, 
keep it brief, oh, this is fantastic go for it yeah 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 so it was just it was just a uh a, a series of, of weird things that happened there that led me to questioning like what was going on and, and the quick story is you know i I said yes to the job without ever having stepped foot in the state of Texas. So I, I loaded up a U-Haul and moved out there. My parents helped and we'd called a bunch of these places and, and left messages like, Hey, I'm looking for a one bedroom. This place called back when we were on the road and they said, we have a one bedroom that has become available if you want to come check it out. So we went and checked it out. It was in my price range and overlooked the pool. It was awesome. So I moved in and weird stuff immediately started happening. Like I would come in and find my pantry door open, which was weird because I never used the pantry. I couldn't afford to buy food to put in the pantry. So the pantry door was always closed, but it was open when I came home. Then I heard this crazy noise when I got out of the shower one day. It was like this, almost like an electronic sound, but it was like it was being screamed right in my face. It was totally terrifying. I would have run out of the apartment, but... I'm standing there naked and that's, that's frowned upon even in Texas. And I'll shoot you out there actually for that. Um, and then um, the third of the four weird instances was I woke up in the middle of the night to my lamp on my dresser being turned on. I didn't even think I had the lamp plugged in. I did have it plugged in, but it was just for decoration. I'd never used it before. So I thought that was really weird that it was turned on in the middle of the night. And then the fourth and, and maybe the weirdest thing was talking to my buddy on the phone one night real late. And I heard a knock at the door. And so I went and checked and there was nobody there. Um, and, and I thought I was just hearing a neighbor's door getting knocked on or something. So I, I kind of forgot about it, went to bed. Couldn't have been an hour later. I heard that same knock at the door. And before I could get up to do anything, I heard what sounded like somebody stomping their feet through my apartment from the front door to the bedroom door. And I'm laying there just about to crap myself. I, I just, I wasn't thinking about ghosts. I was thinking I was about to get robbed. I keep a pocket knife by the bed. I'm going to have to I'm going to have to stab somebody. And so I finally mustered the courage to go out and look and there was nobody there. The door was locked and closed. So when I moved out, I told the leasing manager all of this and she could not believe it. She told me, she said, somebody died in there right before you moved in. And I'm just, so, so I think about that. So it was haunted. I mean, they told me they had, they had gone in and found this guy dead in the bedroom that I slept in every night. And so they, of course, cleaned it up and called me and said, hey, we got a one bedroom available now. So that's how I ended up in this apartment complex. And it was legitimately haunted. It was cool. It was a friendly ghost. I was never injured. But uh, just, a, just a random takeaway from my stay in, in Midland. Wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, there you I, go. I, how many reporter ghost stories do you have on the podcast so far? See, that's a whole new branch of things. Yeah, we're opening up. I mean, that's, that could just become a podcast of its own. Really, really niche, you know, reporters <laughs> dealing with ghosts, but that could be a separate thing. You know, they're making podcasts about everything now, so we can do that one as well. Yeah, that's man, true. that's, that's, that's cool. wild. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I don't believe in ghosts, but, I, you know, when you tell a story like that, that sounds really legit, so... Um, I mean, it could probably all be explained with neighbors and, and, you know, creaking pipes and everything getting out of the shower that day. But I don't know that I believed in ghosts up until that point, but I, I do now. So there's that. I mean, yeah. The timing of that one is really, really fits into the, the, the story, you know, so who knows? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's pretty creepy though. Um, yeah. I mean, it was tough to get apartments out there. I remember I, I, I had a one bedroom and it was kind of expensive, but man, do I miss those uh, swimming pools. The, the Texas swimming pool was so nice. Yeah, so nice. And, and always a good place to hang out in the summertime. Absolutely. I mean, to have that event, I mean, cause you could use it pretty much from early March through 
kind of like mid-November almost or early November. I mean, it was sure. – the, the pool season was very long there, and I, I definitely missed that. Um, right. I think a lot of times it was up to the discretion of, uh, like, the, the manager of the complex or whatever as to how long they wanted to keep the pool open. But they – it seemed like they went far past the summer months because it was so warm out there even in spring and fall, which it makes sense. Let us swim. Right. Absolutely. So – all right, so we'll jump ahead now. We'll, pr- we'll probably come back to our Midland-Odessa days at some point. Sure. Uh, but let's jump ahead to Arkansas. So you moved on to there. You know, the career is looking up. You're, you're in Arkansas. And, I mean, I, you could probably talk about this for hours. But, you know, just in brief, how did you go from, you know, one station in Arkansas right over to a rival, you know, without taking a ton of time off? Because a lot of times there's non-compete clauses. I mean, what, right. what led to that departure? I, I remember there being like, a, it seemed like there was a little bit of drama, but um, yeah, use how much you get into that or don't get into it. Sure. No, I, I'll go into it. It's all good. Um, it's uh, and, and for the record, I um, I'm planning on writing a book someday where I, I give in great detail uh, the true account of what played out because there's some confusion there. Thanks to some bloggers who, well, I'll just, I'll just tell you the story. Um, so, so I started as the weekend anchor at the ABC in Northwest Arkansas, and and I really liked it. The lady who hired me, um, I think, really was on my side and and wanted wanted me to learn as much as I could to maybe move up to a main anchor spot someday. Um, sadly, for me at least, she was fired shortly after I got there. Which is it's interesting to think back. I've I've worked for a lot of news directors who were fired while I was there. I don't think I had anything to do with them getting fired, but it just just happened to work out like that. Um, so she was fired when a few months of me getting the job, um, which was whatever they, they brought a new guy in and, um, he and I didn't get along as well. I don't think we had any issues with each other other than he, um, when I first met with him, I told him, Hey, I, I love to cover the lighthearted stuff. And, and you may remember this from, from Midland. Like I, I never liked the hard news, the, the death and destruction. I knew early on it wasn't for me. I lost a lot of sleep covering some of these stories. And so I kind of wanted to be the feature news guy. And, and I told him this, that I, I love covering art shows or, or, you know, movie premieres or anything like that's fun to cover. I'm all about it. And he said, no, that's not what we want to do here. It's, it's, it's hard news of the highway. I need you to, I need you to bring me the hard news stories every day. So what I did was I would bring two story ideas every day, one hard news and one soft news. And he didn't like it very much. So um, about halfway through my three-year contract, he um, put me on a 90-day improvement plan. There were, there were a handful of us out there who would put on these 90-day improvement plans and you know, basically said, you need to do this, this, and this. And if you don't, then we're going to write you out of your contract. It was, it was all legal and legit. And I signed off on it. Um, 90 days later, found out that I had not improved to his liking. And so I was being released from my contract early. So I had 90 days again. I had three months to find a new job. Well, at the time, I was kind of dating a girl who worked for the CBS affiliate. And she said, wow, this is great timing. We have an opening on our morning show. Um, We need a new male morning anchor. You should throw your name in the hat. So I thought, "Ah, why not? So I so I reached out to the news director and said, I'm interested in, in being an anchor on your morning show, which he thought was just absurd that I was reaching out to him because he knew who I was from working for the competition. And 
was like, I, I don't, I don't think we can make this work because of the non-compete that's in place and everything else, but, but we'll see. And so they talked to my agent and got it all worked out to where it looked like I could go. And, and they actually made me an offer to be the main morning anchor and make considerably more money than I was making as the weekend anchor for the ABC. So I, all right, let me, let me think about it. They, they gave me some time. So I wanted to think about it. Um, and then this whole, what was there to think, what was there to think about? I mean, you were being getting a basically a better job and more money. Well, yeah, it was a better, it was a much better job. It was, it was a, a pay increase of about 10 grand. Um, I, at the time, was hopeful that I could actually leave the market. Not that I didn't like Arkansas, because I loved Arkansas. I just was, you know, I had these hopes and dreams of, I'm ready for national news. Like, I don't, I don't need to do this anymore. I need to apply to, you know, I need to work out in Los Angeles now, or I need to, I need to go be on national news in New York. I just had these crazy uh, thoughts okay. of, okay. I don't want to sell myself short and stay in the same market if I could really jump up ahead in life. So right. that was my mindset there. That's what, that's really the crazy thoughts I was having that I wanted to think about. Um, but, uh, the good Lord had other plans for me, um, because of this situation that played out in, I believe it was May 20th or 21st. Um, they had me reporting on, so again, I hadn't, I hadn't said yes to this job offer. I was thinking about it. Um, so I'm reporting on a storm, an approaching storm. They sent me out to the, the border of Oklahoma and Arkansas. For the, um, the old station, for the prior station? For the, yeah, for the station I'd been working the for ABC. at that point. Okay, so you were still there, but you knew you were going to be leaving soon. Right, right, right. So again, I had 90 days to find a new job. And this was within the first like month of me learning all that. Um, so, so I'm reporting on this approaching storm and uh live at five live at six and the story it was pretty interesting actually there was a big casino out there on the border um that as it turns out has a safe room in it and they can put like 200 or so people in there and so that's what we were talking about is if you're in this area when the storm hits you can take shelter here um so we're in the middle of this big parking lot out there and at the six o'clock or right before the six o'clock news we had gotten word that more oklahoma was just ripped apart by this storm system that was headed our way. And, you know, days later, we would find out there were like 20, I think 23 deaths and more that, that day. It was a really terrible uh, storm with all these tornadoes spinning out. Um, and we're just right there in the path of it. So at 6.30, the storm kind of hits. We did our last live hit say, and again, this is, this is a place you can take shelter. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's, pitch black. Uh, the storm is on top of us. All I can hear are the tornado sirens going off and, you know, starting to become very concerned for our safety in the field. Um, and, and the call comes through from the producer right after the six o'clock show ended. And they said, Hey, there we're showing there's a, a tornado on the ground in your area. Get set up for a live shot in about two minutes. So I relayed this information to the photographer, my buddy, Matt out there, and he had some choice words for the for the producer and um they basically decided that we were not going to do the live shot we were going to take shelter in the the safe room there and i did not at all disagree with that i wanted to get out of the storm at that point so we go running across the the parking lot we actually took our portable live gear with us to try and get a live shot up inside the safe room we failed in that attempt to do so because it was just i don't know if the walls were too thick or maybe it was the storm but we could not get live from, from the, the safe room. But the storm passed over in a matter of probably 10 minutes or so. So we emerge, we're fine. We go outside, all the power's out in the city. 
um, and my cell phone, which had been out of service in the safe room, all of a sudden have service again. And <laughs> Matt and I are blown up uh, with text messages from the managers reprimanding us for not going live and for not communicating that we weren't going live. And, and as I tell this story now, I, I, I see it from their perspective. We, we should have been we should have done better about communicating. But at the time, it was just like, it was just a really crazy situation with the storm bearing down on us and that we had just found out there was a tornado on the ground where we were. And you know as well as anybody, Bo, when, you know, when you're doing a live shot, you're directly wired into a, a truck that has either a, a satellite or a mast up in the air of some sort. So it was a dangerous situation for us trying to be live from the storm that was producing all sorts of lightning and apparently tornadoes. Um, so anyway, we get on the phone with the managers and, and they, they were not happy with us. They sent us back into the storm um, because the lightning had, had caused a house fire or something. And um, so I get in the station vehicle and I'm driving back into the storm and I called my parents on my cell phone and I just broke down. I was crying. I'm like, they're trying to make me go live from a tornado and I just don't care about my safety. I screw this job. And I was so upset about it. I was legitimately scared, you know, in the moments leading up to us going into that, that, that storm shelter. And so I was really upset, but I went back into the storm and I did what they told me to do. We were live again at nine and 10 that night. Um, and then I go back to the station that night. This is where the story gets good. I promise. I go back to the station that night and, um, and again, I'm greeted by management, but not in a positive way. That was a very negative sort of, we can't believe you, you guys bailed on the live shot earlier. Um, and then they hit me with the, the, the worst part of all. They said, we need you to come in again tomorrow because there's another storm that's going to hit the area. Now, the next day was supposed to be my weekend because I was, again, the weekend anchor. So I don't remember what days I had off at that point. It was like Wednesday and Thursday. But they needed me to come in again on my day off to cover another storm after this hell they'd put me through that day. And so that was kind of the final straw for me. And I... Um, I sent an email the next day, the next morning, um, long before the shift would have started, and I sent it to the entire station. I didn't just send it to the managers; I sent it to the entire station, and um, and I expressed what we had gone through the day before. I was really upset about it, and I, I know now never to send an email when I'm worked up about something because it's just a terrible idea. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I did send an email and I actually went wrong in the first line of the email, the first line of the email, I said something to this extent. I said, um, uh, to, to anyone who doesn't know, I've been released from my contract. Um, but before I go, I want to express some safety. I want to express some concern for the safety of field reporters during storm activity. And, and they, in that line, I breached my contract that I or whatever I had signed saying I was being released from my contract I did not exactly realize at the time that there was this big non-disclosure agreement attached to it and so I had disclosed this confidential information not just to a couple people but to the entire station um, and then in the email of course I went on to say you know they wanted us to go live from a live from a tornado and what's it going to take is somebody going to have to get killed in the field for them to realize it's not worth competing with other stations. And I just went on and on. It was just real dramatic email. Um, and I got fired that day. They, they called me, actually my agent called me first and he said, dude, they are, they are terminating your contract today. 
uh, I don't know what you did or what you said in this email, but you're done. And, and I was, and at the, at the moment though, it, it was, it was like, okay, well, that's not so terrible because I, I've got this other job offer anyway. And, you know, looking back on it, I really wish I would have gone about things differently, but um, I did get fired from the ABC affiliate that day because of what I said in the email. Um, and, and I couldn't argue with that. What was funny is they, um, they then called me from the station and they gave me the, the one two about why I was being terminated. The funniest part to me is they, they told me in the, when they called, they said, um, don't come back to the station. We're going to send a courier to pick up your laptop and station issued cell phone, which I, I just think is crazy. It's like, you know, I can understand if I had made a bomb threat or something at the station that they would, they would say that to me, don't come back up here. We're going to send somebody to get your stuff. All yeah. I did was send an email. Um, and so right. I, I felt a little, a little slighted by all of that because I still had a lot of friends who worked up there. Um, and, and for what it's worth, my, my friends were, were cool about it. They were all super supportive and they did tell me that next day that this station wide email was sent out from management saying, if you ever feel like you're in danger, you are encouraged to protect yourself. You know, your safety comes first, yada, yada, yada. Of course they sent that email out after uh, I had sent mine out. Um, right. so I did accept the offer from the CBS affiliate and I had to be totally transparent with them and say, here's what happened. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna probably hear about this anyway. And so, I mean, it all, it all really worked out okay for me because I, I got a better job and, and again, a pay increase in the same market. You know, I I went to work for the number one station in the market as the morning anchor, something I had been working toward. Um, so like I said, the, the Lord works in mysterious ways. It probably shouldn't have worked out that well for me. Um, but it did years later, I would find out this is, this is wild too. The non-compete would have still been active because my original contract with ABC, uh, specified that there is a non-compete active for, I think just like 12 months. But even if you're fired, that non-compete is in place. You can't get fired from the ABC and go work for the NBC or the CBS. The Uh only reason I was able to get away with it is because according to, again, people who still worked at ABC, management was afraid I was going to sue them because of the whole situation with the storm. So they, there were conversations behind closed doors to say, just let it go. Just let him be on CBS and, you know, screw it. It's in the past. So I don't know if that's true or not. That's again, third-hand information. Um, But, you know, I, I, if that is true, then smart move on their part, I guess. Um, It all worked out fine for everybody. But, um, but yeah, that was the real, that was the real drama of Northwest Arkansas. I got fired by the number two station in the market and hired by the number one station. Wow. So, so. Uh, you decided, I mean, you, you told me, you said earlier that, excuse me, after uh, working for the number one for a while, contract was up, but you decided not to resign. That was, you know, your choice. And you got into the, the movie business for a while. I know you've been, yeah. you know, uh, is, your, is your brother is an actor, right? He is. Uh, my brother, he, he chose the, the uh, theater route. Uh, we, we both were interested in, in entertainment, right? We come from this very um, talented family of performers, musical theater and all sorts of stuff. My parents raised us doing this. And um, I did not want to do theater because I thought I, I, I maintained that the theater people at Marshall University were some of the weirdest people I've ever met in my life. And so that's why I didn't study theater. 
Um, my brother, however, being one of those weirdos, did get a theater degree and promptly moved to New York City. He's, he's done well for himself, too. We're actually going to see him this Friday is the opening night of a show. He's the lead in a musical out there right now um, that opens Friday. So we're going to go. It's called the, the, I think it's the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. It's a musical. I don't know much about it. Um, and his wife is also in it. They're both very talented. And so he's still doing his thing. He's still singing and dancing and, and doing all that. I just took a took a slightly different route in the world of journalism to learn about the camera and how to be comfortable in front of it. Um, but, and I don't know if you know this, but I, I am still getting to do some acting. And that was, like I said, that was what brought me to, to Georgia originally. Um, I keep getting cast as a news reporter in uh, network shows. So it's I've totally typecast in that regard, but I guess it pays to have that on my resume. Um, so I play a resident, I play a news reporter on the resident, which is a medical drama on Fox and, um, recently shot an episode of insatiable, which is now in its second season on Netflix. I play a news anchor on there and there's hope wow. that people will keep hiring me to be a news anchor, or news reporter, or some sort of journalist. It's a good gig. Yeah, yeah, that is. And awesome. for what it's worth, the SAG, the SAG after projects pay much better than the actual TV news reporter jobs, <laughs> as far as a, a daily rate, at least. That is the that is the irony. Pretending to be a reporter mm -hmm. is better than being a reporter. Um, it is true, truly ironic. Gotta love it. But I guess that makes sense because you know whether you're you know actors, no matter what it is, you know firefighter, police officer, you know the actor pretty much always gets paid better than the real thing. So sure. I guess well, it does make it's, sense, it's, but. It's a, it's a good, I, I'm, I feel really blessed to get those roles and it, it works out well because, you know, I was honest with my news director out here and, and, and the department head that I work under at the NBC affiliate to say, just so you know, this is, this is why I came to Georgia, you know, and, and it's not like I'm, you know, have these crazy aspirations of being the next action movie star or anything. You know, it's just, it's a fun pastime to get involved with the TV and film projects. I'm also producing um, TV pilots out here right now. And so it's just a, it's a world I've, I've been interested in for a long time. And I, and I, I just love the advancements in technology and lighting and audio gear and camera gear and everything. I, I eat it up. And so, but when they, when they offered me the job with the NBC affiliate, I told them, yes, it's great. I'll take the job. But just so you know, this is also stuff I'm involved in. And these are some commitments I already have. And so they've been super cool and flexible with my schedule. And I've just keep an open line of dialogue with them about when I am cast in these different projects. Now to my advantage, I'm not getting some ridiculous roles in TV or film projects that they would, you know, nobody's going to question my integrity as a journalist when they see me on uh, The Resident as a news reporter. Now, if I were playing some, you know, rapist on some <laughs> some network show, then that would that would maybe be a tough pill to swallow for people who also watch me on the NBC. I don't know that my boss would go for that, but that's not the case. I'm I'm being cast in the same role yeah. that people currently understand me in. Yeah. I, yeah, that's interesting. So obviously this, your current station is cool with it, you know, and, and they're, they're very aware of it and everything. And you were very upfront about that, which is smart. Um, and they went for it. You know, I, one of the stations I worked at, I um, got an email from a friend who's an actor in New York city. And he was like, Hey, you know, this movie's going to be filming in your town. Um, and they need someone to play a, a TV reporter. You know, and I thought you'd be perfect for it because that's what you do. Same thing as, as you. And I thought, mm -hmm. wow, yeah, that's exciting. And he was like, honestly, you know, I know the casting director. I think you'll have a leg up, you know, 
they, they want someone your age. It's like perfect. It's like this dream scenario. So I went to my boss and ran it by the boss and he, they were just like, no way. They're, they were like, no way. You know, you're not allowed to do that. We don't allow that anymore. And you know, the station had a history of anchors being in major movies for many, many years, but they basically turned over a new leaf and had a new policy of the last several years where they, they kind of decided that they felt like it actually did take away from, you know, their opinion was that they felt that it did uh, erode credibility because viewers might think, you know, okay, is this guy basically like coinciding with the fake news situation? Sure. I can see that. Yeah. That Donald Trump sort of promoted and basically <laughs> people saying, you know, okay, is this person, wait, wait, is he a reporter or is he an actor? You know, does he play a reporter or is he a reporter? So they were worried about that. And I don't know how worried they were or if they just felt like it was a distraction or what, but that was the logic at least they gave was was that it, uh, oh God, my dog. Um, I'm going to have to edit that out. But um, yeah, the logic they had. So, but it was very disappointing. I'll tell you that. And again, it was the same thing as you. It wasn't that I, you know, I mean, you're much more of a a person involved in acting and things like that, but nevertheless, I mean, look, I'll be honest, it was kind of an ego thing, you know, it's kind of like, oh, cool, you know, they want me to be in a movie, I'll I'll be in a movie, Um, I don't think I'm going to be, you know, Tom Cruise or anything, but, you know, definitely be cool to, you know, have a a byline or whatever it's called, and, you know, IMDB page or or whatnot, and I know you have one, um, but yeah, but it it got shut down, so that was pretty disappointing, but, um, so it's it's just interesting how different stations take a different tactic when it comes to that sort of thing. Yeah, and and I don't know if it's station wide policies or in some cases probably just individual opinions right. on. I, and I, and I I see it from both sides again. You know, I think those lines could get blurred for a lot of people. You know, we certainly don't promote on NBC that hey, you can also see me appear as a, as a journalist on The Resident, which is on our, our competition out here on Fox. Um, it's not like we promote that, but anybody, like I said, the, there could be some blurred lines where people say, wait, 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 is he, is he an actor? When I see him actually on the news, is he acting like a journalist or is he just a, a journalist who sometimes does the acting projects and happens to be cast as a reporter. And, and to that, I'd say it's a little bit of both. The, the truth is I was an actor long before I knew anything about journalism because um, I grew up in it. So I just, I try to, I try to, but you know, with, with journalism, it's, there's a showmanship to it, I guess, especially the anchoring and being in front of the camera. But, but there is a, there's journalistic integrity that still has to be in place that is kind of out the window when you're on the set of a TV or a film, they don't care about your, <laughs> your integrity as far as journalism or getting the truth, right? That's just, you're just performing lines at that point right. um, as compared to the, the real world working for whether it's NBC, ABC, CBS, whoever um, that, that, you know, I'm not a reporter. I'm a journalist, right? I'm, I'm trying to find the truth in all of these right. situations, whether it's politics, happy election day, right? Uh, or, or just the, you know, where the money is going that's, that's disappearing from, from the, the city budget. There's all this crazy stuff that I've covered in the past. And, and part of me um, at times wishes I had just taken the acting route and hung out with the weirdos in theater and, um, and who knows where I'd be right now. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as wrapped up in some of these some of these stories as I have gotten wrapped up, but there's, I don't know, there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had in, 
um, and, and seeking the truth in a lot of these, these situations and actually trying to be a good journalist, not just, not just acting like a news reporter, but actually try, trying to find the truth in all these situations. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally hear you. Um, you know, and being a good journalist takes a lot of work is, is it. So you can't just hold the mic and pretend to have it. Right. You actually have to take the notes and make the phone calls. And, and obviously you, you know all that and, and have done a good job. Um, yeah. So you talked about um, your, your craziest story um, or, you know, some of the crazy stories you've covered. What would you say is, I mean, this is going to be really hard because you've done a lot, but what would you say is, is, is the, is your, your favorite story you've ever covered in, in news? So gosh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good stuff. There's actually one um, that happened recently that was, I can't even take all the credit for it. I can take the credit for the storytelling that I did, but it was just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Um, it was in a local coffee shop in Cumming, Georgia that I, that I cover for the news out here. Um, a little local place called Community Cup Coffee House. Great people over there. They've given me great story ideas and introduced me to all sorts of cool people. And the owner of the coffee shop, Jalen, um, I was in there just having coffee one day and she said, hey, do you, do you realize what's happening over here? Check this out. And there were two people having a conversation, a man and a woman, and uh, they were both in, what's, what's the best way to tell this story now? Um, they were both in Manhattan when, um, when the Twin Towers were hit on 9-11. And they happened to meet each other like two days before the anniversary of 9-11 this year. And so um, they're reminiscing. She was actually up on some crazy high floor. She was in, in one of the towers when it was hit. Um, and he was a police officer for New York City who responded to the scene. Um, and so they're, they're just all up in each other's business chatting and talking about where they were and what they saw and all this. And so I, I hated to interrupt the conversation, but I thought, said, hey, I'm a, I'm a reporter with 11 Alive out here, and I would love to talk to you all individually about you know, what you saw, what you experienced that day, and the fact that you have now connected with someone. Look, in Forsyth County, Georgia, they met each other a couple of days before the anniversary. It's just, it's just a wild thing to me that they would even ever connect anywhere in the world, much less somewhere that's nowhere near New York City um, in this little local coffee shop. And so, um, so they both agreed to let me interview them. So I, I spoke to them separately and got really good kind of emotional interviews from both of these people about what they dealt with that day. Um, and, uh, and, and Kenny, the guy who's the former police officer, you know, he got choked up talking about it because so many of his friends, um, in the service, uh, you know, first responders have died from, um, cancer related deaths or, or 9-11 related cancers. And he's just still in decent health and, and kind of wondering if he's ever going to have to deal with that. And that, it's something I never thought about. So anyway, the story came out really good. Um, it was well received online and, and on our broadcast. Um, and it's just, again, it's, it's not hard news per se. It deals with some hard news that most of us remember if we're old enough. Um, but it, uh, it was, a, it was kind of just this heartwarming story of, um, these people finding friendship in each other and, and, and able to relate to each other because they were both there on that day, this crazy day when we were attacked by terrorists. And so that was, that's, that's one 
for me for the record books just because it 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 all pieced together so nicely um and and i gotta be honest my boss liked the way it came out and that's always important to me because everything i put out there it's like i'm, I'm going for an, an emmy every time it's like I, I gotta get the best i'm a perfectionist i want everything i put out to be absolute gold and it's not it's not always gold because there's the rush of the, the the grind of the working under a deadline and it's got to be ready by 5 p.m. and so on. Um, but this is one that just fell into my lap and came together so beautifully. And I'm, I'm really proud of the way it worked out. I will send you the link, Bo, so you can watch it and tell me what you think. Yeah, please do. Sounds very yeah. good. <clears throat> I mean, sometimes the best stories are the ones that kind of fall into your lap, you know, right place, right time. Yeah. It's been the same way for me. I mean, and that, that is not uh, something to, you know, look down on or something. I mean, that, that's for some of the best reporters out there. That's, that's just the way it is. You know, you just you get lucky. I mean, there's times where I'm, I'm, I was working on a report and I'd be like, okay, this is it. Like, take this one seriously because this one has all the elements that you need. Mm -hmm. And these come around sometimes like once a year. Sometimes it's once a year that you get, you get these elements together, you know, and this, this emotion and this video footage. And sometimes you'll get like one piece of it. Like you'll have the video but the interviews are terrible. Like there's no emotion or, you know, someone at the last minute cancels or something like that, or you'll have right. the video and the emotion, but like you mess up on the writing. You're just not feeling it. You don't have enough time, you know? So, but when all those elements come together, that's rare, you know, in my opinion, um, yeah. or it has been for me. And so when you, when you start to notice that you're like, Oh shoot, I got to make the most of this one. Yeah. But I mean, I also, you know, you're telling the story of people's lives, like real human beings. And it, it is a cool story, you know, and it's, it's interesting whenever they're willing to share it publicly. And so oftentimes people aren't willing, but you know, it's awesome. So, you know, it's an important role to, to share that story. And, and that's, you know, part of what makes the job really cool. So um, yeah, very, very good story there. And by the way, um, 11 alive. So you actually work, you know, one of your colleagues was, was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, Andy Parati. Uh, oh, really? Who works there. Yeah. So. No, um, Andy, he sits close to me. <laughs> nice, nice. So, do you operate out of the main station, and then you drive out to Cumming, Georgia, or or or, or do you are you based in Cumming most days, or or what? So it's it's constantly evolving at this point. Um, my I was I was hired last fall um, as for this pilot program, this this Mind News initiative is what what they started calling it, and it's this hyper local coverage in pockets of Metro Atlanta. So. They launched with three areas, Lawrenceville, East Point, and Cumming, and I was hired on to cover the Cumming, Georgia area and for Scythe County in general. Um, did that for six months. We got a six-month expansion. That's, that's all we were guaranteed at first was six months, but we got an, an extension for six more months, and our coverage area was also expanded. So now I cover Forsyth County and Cobb County, specifically East Cobb. So um, on a daily basis, it, what's, what's interesting is I live in the Norcross area, which is equidistant to both of those areas. So it's either 30 minutes north or 30 minutes west from where I live. I, I kind of have an option. Do I go start my day at the station and check out the nice camera gear? Yes, I like to do that fairly often because the camera gear is very good. Um, but we also have these pretty nifty rigs that we're using that's, uh, that the, the station-issued cell phone just clips into this this handheld rig that's got lights attached to it and it's got a microphone attachment and all this stuff. So, um, and I can put it on a tripod if I want to, I've got a little tripod as well, but I just like to kind of hold it. And when I do interviews, I just, I just do it on my cell phone. A lot of days 
Um, and I'll move it around a little bit during the interviews and I'll get my own B-roll just filming again with the iPhone that's in this rig. So it's got lights and it's got audio attachments and all this stuff. It's super cool. I had never seen one until I started working at the station. Um, and, uh, and they got them for my department. As far as I understand, our department got them first, which is only like five of us in the department. And, uh, and we got them and started testing them out and really liked them. And next thing we know, the other reporters and photographers are coming and asking like, yo, where can we, where can we get one of those rigs? Because, you know, anybody who's, who's worked in this industry knows that, yeah, it's great to have nice camera equipment to go get the stories with, but it's also backbreaking work a lot of times because you're carrying around a, a 30 pound tripod and you've got a, a, you know, your camera gear with the batteries that might weigh another 50 pounds. Um, cause you got the lighting gear and you've got the audio gear. This is I mean, people know an iPhone is nothing to it. You put it in your pocket. And so then this little rig that it goes with is, I'd maybe maybe weighs 10 pounds there's nothing to it it fits in my briefcase that i carry with me every day and uh so that's nice it saves the uh saves the back and um and still shoots great video and then i just upload all the footage i usually use we transfer so as i'm driving down the interstate from one one place to another my my files are transferring um via we transfer and then i i pull them onto my laptop and do all my editing on there uh use a program called edius I don't know if you're familiar. I had never heard of it until I started at uh, the NBC out here. But Edius does everything I need it to do, and it's easy to use, so I, I can't complain. I was I was really used to Adobe Premiere is, yeah. I guess, what I would be using. If I were if I had the option, I would always edit with Adobe Premiere because right. that's what I've used the most. But that wasn't offered to me at the station. They said, this is Edius, and by golly, if it doesn't work very similar to Adobe Premiere. In fact, I think it has everything Premiere has. Um, it just, you know, some of the shortcuts are a little different. So I used it for a week or two, got up to speed and, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a whiz with it now. I, at least I think I am. I'm, yeah. My thing with editing is I'm just, I'm a perfectionist. So it, it takes, it's tedious for me. It's like my work never ends because I'm tweaking the audio for an hour and then I'm tweaking the video for an hour. And it's just like, like I said earlier, I'm always trying to put out my best work, even if it's some you know, throwaway story that people aren't going to talk about for more than 24 hours. Um, I'm just really always trying to put my best foot forward. And so I'm, I'm editing for hours and um, I'm making deadline though. I'm, I'm proud to say I'm making deadline. I can't always, I couldn't always say that in Midland, Texas. I missed deadline a couple of times. <laughs> same, I got in trouble same. for missing deadline. I had yeah, to learn the hard same. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I'm glad you got into all that and all those details. That's the kind of stuff I want on this podcast. Um, so, you know, other journalists hear it, young journalists hear it. And, you know, you're a perfect story of someone who's had ups and downs in their career and, and, and you got out of the business, you're back in the business and um, it's, it's awesome stuff. Um, and also just talking about shooting video on a cell phone, you know, and uh, you may or may not know that, you know, I, I left um, the ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh at the end of May and I'm basically taking a year off right now um, from news yeah. and uh, working for a school district, um, basically as a consultant, essentially, but um, and, and helping them start their own digital video program. And okay. you know, sometimes people kind of look at you crazy when you say like, all right, all the kids are going to shoot video on their cell phones. And they're thinking like, yeah, but that's not professional. You know, that's not what you did at Channel 4 News. And I'm like, well, you know what? I mean, you'd be surprised. You know, I mean, th this is what more and more TV stations are actually doing for better or worse. But, you know, honestly, right. like, you know, even though sometimes I feel kind of old school, 
or people will accuse me of being new school. So I kind of get it both ends, but like, I, I think it's fine. You know, I think it's totally fine. As long as the audio is good. And as long as you have the basic principles of framing and everything down and you're mm -hmm. shooting creatively, you know, the, the, the iPhone 11 is so advanced. I mean, the, the video on that, for sure. example, is better than better quality video than the video we shot in Midland, Odessa 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, that's for sure. That's for sure. So it's like, there's really nothing wrong with it. I mean, so much, you know, you go on some of these message boards, there's the storytellers message board on Facebook and you know, there's, there's video Nazis for lack of a better word who will say, Oh, you know, it's not the same. And, and, and you look, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but like, you know, I, I'm fine right. with it. And sometimes honestly, you end up getting a better interview because you don't whip out this 40 pound machine that scares the hell out of people. I've found that to be true so many times, you know, where if you just pull out a cell phone, they're used to that. You know, it just feels like, Oh yeah, my, my son or daughter does that. Or, you know, I'm familiar with the iPhone. Whereas you pull that other thing out and they get stage fright or they just say no, you know, and you sure. might not get those people talking about nine 11 because they're too nervous. Right. There's a level of intimidation to the big, you know, the big news cameras, like, like people, see the, the photographers running around with on the street, the, the big ones that you put a tape in the side, you hook a big battery to the back. It's totally different than, than putting a phone in front of someone, which, yeah, a lot of times their kids do on a daily basis. Plus, I think, you know, the world is changing so much with what we are entertained by online and everybody's watching videos online and, and behind the scenes stuff on the internet. And what, what we found out here in Atlanta, at least, is um, a lot of the stuff on our website that gets the most clicks is not the highly edited, highly produced news package that takes hours to put together. It's the cell phone selfie behind the scenes on a film set, let's say. Like I said, there's a lot of stuff happening in the industry out here. You know, behind the scenes, here we are at Tyler Perry Studios are doing this, this, and this. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're on Tyler Perry's set or if you're, you know, just at some some art show or some some you know, in the kitchen of some restaurant that you're doing a story on, people love the behind the scenes. And for whatever reason, they love the selfie style. Here I am holding it myself. You can tell because my arm is cut off. I'm holding the camera myself. Right. People go crazy about that. I, and I can't explain the reasoning behind it, but that's what our boss has told us. Like, this is what people watch. And he's right. We, one of my biggest hits out here so far, um, well, at least before the, the, the nine 11 story a couple months ago, um, was there was a there was a manhunt in in the area incoming, and um, of course there's a, a level of danger with that that people can relate to. And so you know I just put the camera up there and said, hey, I'm here at the corner of such and such, whatever. You can see the police behind me here. There is an armed and dangerous person on the loose out here. Be aware. Share this on your social media. It blew up on social media that day because everybody wanted to make sure that their family and friends were safe. Um, but again, I could have the, the, the trained journalist in me really wanted to film the video and then upload it and then add the graphics and then add a music bed and then upload it. And it would have been an hour later, but just, it was kind of a timely thing to make sure people know, Hey, this is happening right now. So boom, posted it and it, it took off It you know, led our web traffic that day. Um, but I, I think that it speaks to, it's, it's a sign of the times, right? This is, this is what people are used to seeing online, be it uh, on, on, on TV or on their computer or just in their, their handheld device, it doesn't have to be some, some really highly produced, 
news package, for lack of a better term, the, the packaged product. It can just be some quick behind the scenes hit or, and we do a lot of that stuff with the, the what I call the teaser videos as well. If I do produce a, um, a news package or, you know, which on most days, yes, I do put a minute and a half or two minute news story together that's got the music bed and it's got the people's names up on the, the lower third of the screen and everything. But then I usually try to go out and do a, a teaser video. So I just use my cell phone with a little onboard mic and I'll say, hey, Jay Plyburn here and, you know, East Cobb where we're getting ready for yada, yada, yada. So I'll do the little social media hit. Sometimes I'll do Facebook Live. Other times I'll just do a, a recorded video and then I'll post it to Instagram or wherever. And, and then I'll put the link to the actual story in there trying to dry, you know, trying to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Okay. Now we're, now we're attacking people through social media, but we're also driving them to the webpage. So there's some, some, you know, madness to all of this. It's, it's a lot on a daily basis, but uh, it, it seems to be, I seem to be doing what my boss wants me to do. They, they, you know, now, now the big question is, will we get extended for another six months? That's the, that's the million dollar question at this so point. We should know about that. Well, we should, gosh, uh, I would hope we know, I would hope we know by the end of November, because I mean, think about it, the, the contract's up at the end of December at this point. So yeah. I would love a little bit of time to, to hunt down another job if, if this one's not <laughs> going to continue. Yeah, I'll um, let you know on uh, Christmas Eve that, that they're not renewing. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, Jay. You don't, you don't have to come in for New Year's Day. You're off. Uh, I guess there's a, there's a perk there, but... No, I, I think we're on I think we're on par to get uh to get renewed because we've 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 been able to do a lot of good work through this and um but it's it's not up to me and I don't even know really what metrics they're basing it on, if it's if it's web clicks or if it's I, I don't know how there's so many different elements to what we're doing right now as far as the digital um and broadcast and everything in between. So yeah. I just keep doing what they're telling me to do and if, if we don't get renewed then it's all good. Uh you know, maybe I can Maybe I can keep producing some TV and film projects out here and <laughs> find my way in that world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're doing some good stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it actually is really fascinating what you talk about with the whole, like how the selfie videos are, are kind of king. I mean, in my last TV station, you know, my Facebook Live videos, I kind of got into a pattern where I would have 30 people who had it favorited or whatnot and they would get alerts and they, those same 30 people would jump on every time I went live. And I loved it because it felt like I had this built in audience and they would share it. Yeah. And, um, you know, those, those Facebook lives did numbers way better than, I mean, I think than, than the TV stories did, you know, in terms of shares and whatnot. Sure. But again, they were such low production value, you know, again, you know, it would have taken much longer to edit it and everything. And, um, right. I think people like that, the proximity is usually better because you're usually doing it very quickly when you first arrive. So you actually get closer to the scene than, you know, later on when you might be pushed back or something and the timeliness, you know, it's right away. They're not waiting an hour or two for that piece to be put together. Mm -hmm. And then I think the authenticity of it, you know, in this era where people question whether something's fake news, if they can see your arm and your face right in your grill, right in the camera, then they, they right. know it's really Jay Plyburn. They know it's not, mm -hmm. you know, some prefabricated, you know, edited up thing. It's just like this live feed straight to your face. And I'm, I wonder if like subconsciously that's what makes those so popular. But it is fascinating because the old school TV people are kind of cringing. 
like, oh God, it's, it's so ugly. It's, it's so basic, but you know, you gotta, you gotta serve the people what they're going to eat and that's, that's what they're hungry for. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, when it's I think you're right. It is, it is fascinating. I think there's something very real to it. I think you nailed it on the head. There's, there's a, there's a realism to it that people can relate to. It's not, it's not what, what we all learned, what we remember from 10, 15 years ago where, you know, the, here's the, here's the main anchor teeing up the story. Now he's now, okay, now we're seeing the reporter in the field. Now here's the package. It's not that I know many of us still know and trust that, but not everybody does because of, again, all this talk of fake news and everything else. I don't, I don't know what to trust anymore. A lot of people don't know what to trust, but you see a person on the street or they're there where the lights are flashing. They're there, you know, with the, with the police on the scene. And they've got their arm extended and it's live on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, then there's no real questioning that it's, it's not like someone would go to that much of an extreme to set up some fake news situation. Nobody's going to do that. It's just happening right now. You can see it on Facebook. Now people are sharing it. You know, I think that, I think that people trust that in some cases more than they trust what they see on the six o'clock news. Yeah. Uh, at, don't quote me on that, but but I think that people people will will take a Facebook live video from someone that they don't know very well over the news anchor that they've watched for ten years at six p.m. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing about it is, I th- you know I see I've heard some veterans in the news business who who they're not happy about that. They don't like that, and they argue with it and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but you know, a, a well-produced story will always win out. And I kind of disagree. I, mean, I think that, like, if you're the person who's still saying that, then then your issue is is that you feel like you're becoming obsolete, you know. And and if that's why you, that's why you're angry about it, because I mean, here's the right. thing: the people still prefer a reporter doing it, though. They don't really love right, when right. Joe Schmo holds up his cell phone and does, goes live because you know his diction's off and he's sloppy, and, you know. And, and so they, they like a reporter. So they like the credibility blended with the authenticity of, of the, the selfie video. So it's interesting. Um, so you're, you're basically operating as a switching gears a little bit. You're operating as a, um, oh yeah. One last thing I'll say is that, you know, the people who criticize the, the selfie videos and the Facebook lives, you know, the people who go, no, 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 you need Nat sounds and you need all this. And, and, you know, you need a, you need a heavily produced package and edited perfectly which, you know, those are awesome. Um, but to me, it's like the viewers don't, don't really know the difference that much. And it almost reminds me of how when, you know, women, you know, like when guys go out to the club or something or women go out to the club and it's like, they're oftentimes just dressing up for each other. It's like they're, they're perfecting that outfit and the guy doesn't really care that much. It's almost like they're, the women are dressing up for the other women or vice versa. The guys, you know, his outfit and his hair, and he's really just kind of dressing up to front or stunt on the other guys more than the women almost. And it almost reminds me of that where like you're doing these perfectly edited packages with 30 nat sounds and perfect edits. And it almost like it's just impressing the other NPPA trained photographers more, more than it impresses Lois, you know, from Decatur. Um, sure. Who's just kind of like, I just want the news quickly. I don't need 30 nat sounds and you know, this, right. <laughs> So I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I do love a, a good news story, you know, the, the classic, you know, not sounds and close, you know, edits and tight shots and all that. But, you know, you some, at some point you have to just give in to the times, I think. And, and so, 
you know, there's definitely a, a, a place for it to be a mix of it, you know, but um, it, it's fascinating. So let me switch gears though. And um, sure. you are, or a little bit, so you're basically operating as, as a, you know, a one man band, a multimedia journalist is, is the PC, you know, way mm-hmm. to say it, now all the stations call it. Is it, is it frustrating to you at all though? Cause you, I mean, you're in your early to mid thirties now and you know, you, you started as a, um, you know, one man band as did I, and you're doing that now. I mean, is that frustrating? Is that a hit to your ego or are you cool with it? Uh, oh man, you know, it's, it's not a hit to the ego, um, per se. It is frustrating on a daily basis. It's frustrating because, you know, I, I am the one charging the gear. I am the one, or at least, you know, in this case, the lights for the camera equipment. Um, and I am the one, you know, it, I kind of do all facets of it. I find the story, I make the calls, set up the interviews, I go shoot the story, I edit the story, I front the story on the news if they if they want it for, for broadcast or I, I get it posted to social media, or I'm sorry, posted to the website and then promoted on social media. So there's a ton, it's a thousand things that go into the, the workday. Um, but I do have this large level of creative control and I, I am the storyteller at the end of the day, which is what I love. Um, and so, so I can't complain about it too much. Um, the thing that I, it's again, it's not a shot to the ego. I wish I had the opportunity to anchor again. And, and I say that just because I worked up to that and I, I really enjoyed that. You know, we, we had the, the number one rated morning show in, in Northwest Arkansas all there for, for a long time. Um, you know, which again raises the question, why did I leave? Well, again, I was burnt out at the time and there were some other opportunities coming my way, but um, I, I am hopeful that, that I'll get to do that again someday because I think that was kind of one of my strong suits. Um, and it's a job that I took, took very seriously. Um, I would still love the opportunity to report, but what I didn't explain with this pilot program is I'm not actually hired by 11 alive by, by WXIA out here. I'm hired by Tegna. I'm under a contract by the company that owns the station. So I've had this conversation with my news director and she, can't allow me to anchor at this point because I'm not a station employee. Um, I'm a temporary employee of Tegna again with a contract that ends here in about uh, seven weeks or so. Um, and so would it be that I were a station employee, which maybe I will in, in the future. Um, maybe I will get the opportunity to anchor again someday and then, and then it'll be a different conversation. But at this point um, I'm just trying to kind of, you know, I feel good that I've got my foot in the door I hope that the opportunity to anchor will come my way again someday. In the meantime, I'll keep reporting. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, it is it is frustrating on a daily basis because, you know, even if I do find that good story and I do get some good sound, like you mentioned earlier, sometimes the video is terrible or the pictures that they promised me that would that would accompany the story are blurry and not in focus. And it's just some or some there's sometimes there's just not all the elements that you need to make a good story. But in my case, I still have to put that story out there. I still, my name and face are still attached to the yeah. story, even though it's not necessarily something I'm just tremendously proud of. It's still something that, you know, a story that needs to be told and a story that in a lot of cases we've promoted online to say, hey, watch for this tonight at five. So I can't just say, ah, well, this video sucks, so I'm not going to do it. Nope, still got still to gotta make it work. And I've, I've gotten, you know, creative through the years with how to do that. I've, uh, you know, I've turned to, to websites on a lot of a lot of uh, different occasions where I can just take and, and screenshot stuff on a, you know a company's website and then do a little zoom effect and post when I'm doing the editing and 
try to make the video look good so that it's a compelling story, especially if the sound is not as compelling. Now, one of the other frustrating things for me, if, if I may, um, the, uh, the station out here, and I'm very thankful to 11 Alive and, and Segna for hiring me, but the new sort of motto or, or uh, station initiative is this where Atlanta speaks. We want to be um, where Atlanta speaks. And so they've encouraged the reporters to take out the voice tracks, if at all possible, just let the interview, inter the, the person being interviewed, tell the story. So it's certainly easier from an editing perspective if I don't have to go and lay in my own voice track, but I miss, I miss doing that because you can't rely on the people's sound to tell the story appropriately sometimes. You can a lot of times, you can get creative with it, but um, so I, I miss having my voice track in there to kind of bridge bridge the gaps and help tell the story and, and, and advance it because that was something, again, that I took very seriously and took pride in, um, you know, just, just getting the right inflection and not being overly dramatic with my voice and all this. There's a, there's a real sort of science to that as well that I enjoyed um, that I'm not currently doing because, again, the reporters have been encouraged to do without a voice track, just let the sound tell the story. So did you realize that? It's, it's an interesting thing they started. No, I I actually had no idea about that. So that is uh, that is interesting. Um, it's different. They, they want it to be more like a, what they call like a NAT package, like a NAT's like NAT a NAT package. package, exactly. Yeah. So so um, which you know it's an interesting um choice. I mean, I, I I see the benefits to it, and I also see the downsides. I mean, the downside is that you know people relate to reporters. That's the whole reason you do stand ups and have reporters and have their face on TV um to, to have that human connection but likewise then again sometimes reporter tracks get boring and sometimes they're unnecessary people are just you know i mean lazy reporters or young reporters sometimes will literally just like read a line and then you hear the person say the same thing paraphrase <laughs> the sound bite. It's like, yeah. well, that was worthless you know i mean heck i even i was listening to a package of mine the other day an old one and I said like the same word that was about the person was about to say in the next sentence. And it kills me. I was like, why did you do that? You know, that was like a cardinal rule where like, if you're going to say, I don't know, like effort, if I, if, if the person's about to say effervescent in the soundbite coming up, then by no means should I say the word effervescent in the track leading up to that. By no means. By no means. I did something like that. And I was like, Oh God, why'd you do that? You know? So it must've been one of those things where I was running late, you know, cause that's usually what it is. It's like, you're in a jam deadlines coming up. And, and you're in a rush and, and you miss it, you know, your, your brain doesn't catch it. And, right. um, you know, that's, that's the problem. But, um, so you, in your personal life, you, you got married, uh, a month ago today. A month ago today. Yeah. This is my one month anniversary. Um, which it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been wonderful. Yeah. That's the, the biggest single takeaway from me moving to Georgia a couple of years ago as I met, uh, wonderful lady and, uh, and fell in love. Didn't realize that was going to happen in Georgia. Um, but, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's a catch. And, um, we got married at a state park one month ago today. And then we backpacked through the Smoky Mountains for our honeymoon, for at least part of our honeymoon, three days out camping and then, uh, and then stayed in the cabin and relaxed the rest of the week. So, um, that's, that's been, excellent. that's been great. Yep. Yeah, She's not involved in the industry, which congrats. is actually, uh, probably good. Yeah, yeah. So congratulations to you. And actually, you, you, you did a natural segue into what I wanted to ask you about next, which is you said she's not in the industry. And right. I, I find that a lot of people in TV end up dating other people in TV 
And someone mentioned that on a recent episode of this podcast saying, mm -hmm. you know, it's probably because they can kind of relate to each other and the odd schedule and the hours and the stress and the frustrations and all that stuff. And, and, you know, if you find someone who's already in it, then, then they, they just naturally relate. Um, I mean, I was taught at a young age, a mentor told me never date someone in the industry because there's a lot of pitfalls. Like if you're trying to switch markets, it's hard enough to get one job, let alone get two jobs in a market at the same time. Or, you know, they said there can be competing egos because usually one person's almost always going to be better than the other generally. And, and it's like, you know, the, you, you kind of realize that and, and whether it's you or your, your spouse, you know, that can create stress and frustration and jealousy and, you know, there were a couple of number of reasons, but nevertheless, you, know, you see a lot of people do that. So I guess the question is to you, did you ever date someone in the industry? Don't name any names, but did you ever date someone in the industry? And did you, um, did, did you ever think, you know, that that might be a good choice to, to marry someone in the, in the broadcast local news TV industry? I definitely dated uh, people in the industry and I, I, I just, over time felt like it was not a good idea. And I, I think you, I think you, you really got to the core of it there. Yeah. There, there are some competing egos. Um, and you know, there, there's, there's pros and cons to it, I guess, because the person, if you're dating somebody in the industry, they do understand your crazy schedule. They do get it. Hey, you know, gonna, you're going to have to work holidays. That's just something that a lot of people in the real world don't understand. Why in the world would you have to work on a national holiday? Well, this is what we signed up for. And people in the industry get that. Um, but I guess I found there were more cons than there were pros. Um, and I don't even, I don't even know specifics of, of, it just, it, it didn't work out well for me, <laughs> the last girl I dated in the industry. Um, and, uh, and it, uh, I, I don't know, like I said, I, I didn't come out here even looking for a journalism job. It, it kind of found me, um, and I had already met Whitney at that point and was already dating her. So she was integral in me, you know, doing this job interview and then, you know, talking to her about the terms and conditions and her really kind of, kind of, you know, cheering me on from the sideline and saying, yeah, you should absolutely do this. Um, so I didn't, you know, there was no opportunity for me to even consider dating anybody in the industry out here because I was already in a relationship with someone who's not in the industry. But I think for some people, it can work. I've, I've actually known a couple people through the years who, who have gotten married and, and have good relationships. Um, and they both work in TV news. Some cases they work at the same station, other cases they work, uh, for competing stations. And so I know a couple of different cases where it's worked out fine for people. I don't, I, you know, or at least it, it appears to have worked out fine. It may be absolute hell of a marriage, um, it'd be terrible behind closed doors. I don't, I don't know the details, but, um, I think it's different for each person. It's just kind of depends on what you're looking for. And, um, you know, the one thing that, that I think is good for any healthy relationship is, is where you have schedules to where you can see each other and you can actually be together as much as possible. If you actually love each other, right. Then you would want to see the other person. So, um, so if, if, if that's a case where both people work in TV news and they both have the same schedule and they can see each other outside of work, then that's great. Maybe that, that could be a long lasting, healthy relationship. The, what I would worry about is if, if you've got a person working the morning show shift from, you know, 3 AM to noon and, and then somebody else working the, the evening shift from, from two to 11, 
how in the world could that possibly, where you could have lunch together every day and then hang out on the weekends, that would be, and I've known people who've tried this. Um, and, and, you know, I can't think of anybody right now that I don't know their specific schedules, but for me, it's a, it's a scheduling thing. I think as long as you can, you know, make time to be with your loved one and, and spend quality time with them, then I don't know if it matters if you're in the same industry or not. Right. Yeah, no, I think that's true, honestly. And, we, and we've, you know, we know enough people that we've seen it work both ways in both cases. So um, it, it, it probably, you know, at the end of the day, it's just more about the two people and it's more about the schedule and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, so, all right, well, we've gone way over what we said we were going to do, which <laughs> is usually the sign of a good conversation. But yeah. But we'll, we'll wrap up. Let's, just, let's take two minutes or four minutes and, and wrap up with the rapid fire stuff right now. And I'll, I'll limit it to just a few. But um, what is something you carry with you just about every day as a reporter that you see as indispensable but might surprise some people? Something that I physically carry with me? Yeah, yeah, like an item that you bring with you every day. So someone said toilet paper was their answer. But what, what's, you know, someone said snacks. But uh, something you bring with you every day that that you see as like you got to have it, but other people might be like, really? Oh man! Well, I guess the easy answer would be my my cell phone, only because I, you know, getting getting it's it's part of the equipment at this point. But let's see, I can I can come up with something better than that. Um, I, this might sound silly. I carry a pocket knife with me every day. Oh, there and we go. That's the good stuff. It, it's not, I mean, it's, I guess I could use it for self-defense if I absolutely had to, God forbid. Um, but it's, it's, um, it's more helpful, you know, if I need it to, if I need it to open something as far as a, an envelope, which doesn't really play into my, my daily life as a reporter, but um, I don't know, it's, it's just, it's a nice little pocket knife. I can use it to kind of screw and unscrew things with my equipment if something goes wrong i can i can use it to pop lids off of things and um it's a, it's a weird thing yeah. but I, I try never to leave home without my pocket knife yeah it's like a macgyver kind of thing um yeah yeah makes sense um what's your what's your preferred type of, of way to ingest caffeine uh coffee black uh hot or cold uh, well, it depends on the weather outside, actually. If it's cold like it has been recently, I'll go hot. But but 90% of the time, I'm a cold brew guy just because hot liquids heat up my body so much. Uh, so I usually go cold. I'm, I'm the same way. 90% of the time, I'm cold brew. Um, all right, you're someone who likes acting, likes movies, likes TV. What uh, What TV show are you streaming right now? Besides watching episodes of yourself on The Resident. But other than that, what do you... What show are you streaming right now? Uh, Ozark. I'm just waiting for Ozark season three to come. That's funny you said that. I was just thinking about that about an hour ago. That's so weird. There's there's the ghost and mental telepathy thing because I was I hadn't thought about that show in a long time since I finished season two. And I was That's just so thinking good. that tonight. I was like, I wonder when season three is coming out. You know, I'm not that interested that I'm going to go Google it, but I am somewhat interested and. Um, that is a damn good show. Very good show. Very it is fun. excellent. Film, filming right here in Georgia as well. Oh, is it? Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. The, the scenery, too. Some shows, it's like the scenery is half the battle, and it is beautiful. So I was assuming that that was filmed at, at the Lake of the Ozarks or whatever it's called in, uh, was it Missouri? But um, that is, if it's Georgia, whatever. I mean, it's very, very beautiful. Yep, um, shooting on Lake Lanier, not far from Atlanta. 
do you, this is a yes or no question. Do you, do you regularly listen to podcasts? Yes. Okay. And then what's your favorite one? Um, <laughs> oh gosh, I hope I get the name of it right. Um, stuff to blow your mind or things that will blow your mind, I think is the name of it. Oh, okay. Um, which my wife introduced me to, and uh, we've just listened to all sorts of crazy stuff about uh, a Mothman prophecy out of West Virginia, which is where I'm from, and uh, recently stuff on, we listened to a whole hour, a couple hours on psilocybin mushrooms and, and wow. the history of them, just really That's fascinating, good. crazy yeah. stuff. Wild stuff. All right, we'll keep it going. Rapid fire here. Um, if you could have a billboard on the most highly traveled road in Atlanta um, and, you know, people wouldn't necessarily know it was, was you who was behind it and it was for free um, and it could have anything on it, uh, picture, words, anything, what would you, what would you have put on this billboard? Pray hard. All right. I like it. I know you're a, a man of, a man of God, a man of religion. Very good. Yeah. Um, and this is a fill in the blank. Um, this is like, you know, so here's the example, like Bo is the blank of journalism kind of searching for like a fictional alter ego. So the one I would choose kind of like what I think I am and also a little bit aspirational, I would say Bo is the Jason Bourne of journalism. What would you pick? <laughs> yeah. What, what, <laughs> what, what would you pick? Uh, Jay is the blank of journalism. <laughs> Can I go with Ron Burgundy? Yes. Oh, that's, that's perfect. Actually. I think that's very, <laughs> I look good today. Very good. Very good. And uh, who's your favorite stand-up comedian? Favorite stand-up comedian. Oh my gosh. You could either do uh, all time Aziz, or just current. Aziz Anasari, probably favorite oh, of all time. Man, I love him. He, he's got to be my favorite as well. Him in, uh, yeah. I always mispronounce his name, but it's, it's like Hassan Minaj. Hassan Minaj. Is my oh yeah. Favorite. I don't know how to say his last name either. Yeah. Um, okay. And, uh, what's your, you're, you're pretty, you stay in pretty good shape. Uh, what's your, what, how do you work out? What's your preferred way to work out? Um, I don't, I'm just, I'm just blessed with the body of a God. Okay. Uh, no, I'm kidding. No, um, we, um, my wife and I actually have been doing kickboxing classes. That's been our preferred method for the past few months. And it is a killer workout every time. Very nice. Um, rap or country? Rap. Cats or dogs? Dogs. Stick mic or lavalier mic? Hmm. Depends on the situation, but I usually take the lavalier mic. Sounds good. Um, well, there's a lot more that we could talk about. We could probably go on for hours because we both like the sound of our own voices and our stories, and we have some good ones, I think. Um, yes, we do. But we, yeah, we got into a lot of topics and covered a lot. I think there, there, were, there were some stories out of Midland, Odessa that I, that I kind of was tempted to get into, but I think it's better that we let those – those ghosts uh, stay stay there <laughs> in, in the Permian Basin and don't don't bring them out publicly for now. So lots of right. uh, crazy events that transpired in that area for for all of us. But uh, you know, uh, someday we'll have to we'll have to rat battle again at some point. That's there you there you go. There's one of them is that Jay and I actually famously did a uh, a rap battle versus one another. I think we were I was like 22 years old and and but uh, that was. That was probably not a good idea, but um, thankfully, I think that tape has bitten the dust, and, and so that will not be so. coming out publicly at any time. But um, never used against us. Never, ne yeah.
But, uh, but yes, we did have a one-on-one rap battle that was quite vicious. I, I still feel bad about that to this day. It was probably a little too, little too vicious on both. No, it was all in good fun. That's true. It was all in good fun. Um, but yeah, so we did, we did have a rap battle, but this is probably a more constructive use of media and recording devices this time around. So, um, Jay, I think people... it is. go ahead. I was just going to say, thank you for, for asking me to be on here. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. And, uh, you, you've definitely always have some good and interesting stories and a, and a pretty cool career to talk about. So, um, Glad to hear that you're doing well and congrats on the marriage and, and your you. butt down there in, in Atlanta and, and hopefully it all it all works out. And, and hey, you've had a good track record of kind of, you know, things seem to be going downhill and then the next thing you know, they're, they're going way uphill. So you'll, you'll be good uh, no matter what happens. You'll, you'll always land on your feet and, and you know, have, have a good situation under you with, with hard work and a, and a good personality. So in any case, um, you're, you're crushing it down there. And so I, I'm gonna, definitely going to check out this story that, about the, uh, the people, the coffee shop and, and 9-11 and all that. Excited to check that out. And hey, if people want to find you on social media, where's the best place to do that? And what are your handles? Uh, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm old school with it. So first name and then last name, Jay Plyburn, J-A-Y-P-L-Y-B-U-R-N. I always tell people they can remember my last name. It's like plywood burning, Plyburn. And um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, although I don't, I don't do much on Twitter these days. But definitely Facebook and Twitter or Facebook and Instagram. I have a, have a good presence. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, we'll let you go. We're, we're recording this pretty late at night here on the East, East Coast time. So uh, we'll let you yes, get to bed. And uh, hey, thanks again. It's a pleasure talking to you, Bo. All right. Take care. See you later. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Reporter Podcast with Bo Berman. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.